Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. It's good to be here. With today, we're talking about ETFs. We're talking about everything you need to know about these things called ETFs, otherwise known as exchange-traded funds. They're super popular, but what are they? We're going to cover that. We do these in about 20 minutes, give or take. I'm surprised we get to 20 minutes because we come with five dot points pre-prepared, <laughs> but we still manage to talk. And we're not trying to cover each and everything in detail, just give you kind of what you need to know within that period. If you want to know more, there will be resources. So look at the show notes, look at your podcast player, click on the show notes, and then you'll see more information if you want to dive deeper into these things. If you have been listening to this series regularly, you will know that this is a shorter format. We do our longer formats on weekends where we will answer your questions. They're called Two Cents. You can head to any of the RAS websites, lodge a question by clicking the Ask a Question link in the menu, and you'll be prompted for the Australian Investors Podcast. My good friend here, Drew Meredith is a financial planner with many years of experience, has a lot of expertise in different financial products like ETFs, uh, managed funds, so on and so forth. But if you do want to learn more about what is a managed fund really, or what is an index fund, please refer to those other episodes in this series. So today, Drew, we're starting and we're finishing with ETFs. Let's talk about it. We've covered managed funds. We've covered index funds. What is an ETF? I always thought ETFs were the same as index funds. What's going on? They're pretty similar. I mean, I'm looking at the stats from BlackRock at the moment, one of the biggest ETF providers in the world. 6.2 trillion in ETFs on in the fourth quarter of 2022 in the US. That's for them? No, in I think that's the entire market. Entire market. So yep. trillions of dollars in ETFs. It's quite low, but quite small compared to the rest of the market. And the rest of it is like 100 trillion, 100 trillion versus yeah. six. Yeah. So we talked about that when we uh, talked about managed funds. And probably the key thing to understand is they're different, but they're the same. Yeah, they're just a rapper. All these yeah. things are, are not, yep, not a <laughs> not a musical rapper. Like, <laughs> like ja Rule. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're but a rapper. Same thing we talked about in managed funds. It's a way to that it, essentially you're able to pool your assets with someone else to get greater purchasing power and gain exposure to a broader range of investments. It could be an entire index of stocks or an entire index of bonds. The difference being as an exchange traded fund versus a managed fund, 
exchange traded fund you can buy and sell in the ASX or the New York Stock Exchange or whichever stock exchange versus a managed fund. You need to print out a form, do a wet signature, if everyone knows what that is, that you have to actually call it a wet signature now, and send that form in to apply for units. Easily transactable every day. So just to summarize there, we've got ETFs, same thing basically as a managed fund structure. You just buy them through your brokerage account versus a managed fund, which you use a, a form. It can be paper-based, as you said, wet signatures, or it can be digital sometimes. You can sign up uh, online. So it just makes it easy to buy and sell. But there are other few differences between ETFs and managed funds, I'm sure, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, ETFs are not the first version of kind of do-it-for-me investing. There are many other things that we mentioned managed funds, but here in Australia, we also have listed investment companies or LICs, which we'll cover separately. So ETFs, basically what happens is when you buy into them, you get typically new units from that ETF provider. So it's like creating more units that then show up in your brokerage account. Whereas say with a listed investment company or indeed any company like BHP, every time you buy and sell, you're not typically getting new shares, you're getting shares from someone else. And so one of the things that happens is with an ETF, the price that you see in your brokerage account, so say like there's an ETF and it's $10 a share, or that's the share price or the ETF price, that's typically very close to what the value of all the investments inside the thing actually are. That's because it's what we call an open-ended fund, meaning that it's open because new things can be bought and sold and created. New units can be issued. So when you buy an ETF, someone's essentially stapling together all the underlying stocks in that index or whatever that portfolio is below it. So they're created and they're redeemed. Uh, Whereas with a listed investment company or any company that trades, typically you have to wait for a seller to be a buyer and to get those shares appear in your bank, in your brokerage account. And so with them, we call them closed-ended. And the difference is that sometimes with those closed-ended products or investments, the share price can deviate from what's actually inside of it. So for example, with a listed investment company like Argo or AFIC on the Australian Stock Exchange, you could have something trading at $5, but what's inside it is worth $6 or $4. So it could be above or below. Whereas with an ETF, there's very good transparency because they're basically tied together because new units can be created or redeemed at the, around about the price. And you can also see at any one time, what is inside the ETF. And that's a key distinction. And it's a trust structure, which means it's a pass-through entity. It doesn't pay tax. Everything just comes directly out as you own it. And that's something that more investors are discovering now as they learn more about ETFs, that it's actually, because it's a trust, you have to pay the tax. Even if you're not the one buying and selling inside of the ETF, there is some buying and selling taking place, you will cop that in your tax return. So that's why we look for ETFs with low turnover um, all else being equal, that's where there's not as much buying and selling taking place. So ETFs were started in the 90s. The first ETF was launched by iShares. The first gold ETF was launched by an Australian company, which was ETF Securities, um, which has now been taken over in Australia by GlobalX, long-term sponsor of Russ Podcast. Thank you very much. Today, it's believed anywhere from like 50% of the shares on the US exchanges can be bought and sold by ETFs or held in ETFs. But it's estimated that it's only single digits of trading takes place. What that means is that even though they're large, they're not trading a lot like a fund manager that has like a high frequency trading strategy or something like that because they typically just buy and hold. Not always, but typically. And most ETFs are index funds, but there's no requirement for an ETF to be an index fund. That's the key thing. 
Here in Australia, we have this naming convention where if it says ETF in the title of whatever it is, there are stringent rules around that. It typically has to be index following. But whatever that index is, could be anything. And we talked about in our index uh, episode how really an index can be anything, but when we use it colloquially or when we say, oh, it's an index fund, we typically mean broad-based, diversified style index. But you could have an index that follows one stock. Something from a major, you know, a, a, an S&P or a MSCI. That's where you think traditional index. Yeah, absolutely. But you could have, say, something, oh, I just want an index that has the big four banks in it. That's four stocks inside one index, which could be tracked by an ETF and called an ETF. So we don't say, even though that's an index, typically it's following an index. We don't call that in slang terms. We don't say, oh, it's an index fund. Like is a reverse Kramer an index fund? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. There probably is someone out there that's done that. So we've got ETFs are open-ended. Uh, they were started in the 90s, but now they're massive. They don't trade that often. They're pretty transparent. They're also quite low cost, which is something that we can not juxtapose or compare with, say, listed investment companies, which we'll get to. An ETF, the average fee on an ETF in Australia on the stock exchange, the ASX, is around about 0.49 from memory. Whereas for a listed investment company, it's over 1%. So you're paying double for a listed investment company. There's a big tail in those listed investment companies though, isn't there? And I think when you're talking about discounts and being closed-ended structure, I think 85% of listed investment companies trade to discount. Very few trade at a premium. What Drew's saying there is <laughs> the value of things inside it. Yeah, is is worth uh, the yeah. You're able to buy at a discount, and a lot of people see that as a an opportunity to find a bargain. But most of these things rarely actually get back to the fair value. And Jeff Wilson, you've interviewed him before. I think he's made a career out of buying each listed investment companies at a discount and hopefully converting them into premiums or getting the dollar for the eighty five cents he's paying for them. That's right. So you can see that on the market. You can see if there's a listed investment company with a share price of one dollar and there's $1.20 of stuff inside it, it's trading below that NTA or the net tangible asset. So you could, in theory, you could buy the whole thing for whatever, 85 or a dollar, and you could sell it for $1.20. Which is what ETFs are created to never trade at a premium or discount. And that's the role of market makers, whether you wanted to expand on that. Oh, yeah, no worries. So a market maker is the organization that sits behind the scenes. So typically what happens is when you buy or sell an ETF, you'll go into your brokerage account and you'll see, even if it's like a small ETF here in Australia, you'll see that there's a bunch of buy orders and a bunch of sell orders just above and below the current share price. And what this is, is this is the market makers setting the price for certain things. And what that basically suggests is that if you were to buy those, you wouldn't be buying from another investor, you'd be buying from the market maker, we'll call it that. And so that's what provides the liquidity. So what do they get out of it in this whole ETF thing? Well, say there's 200 shares inside of this ETF that you want to buy, and you can see that the market maker is offering for you to buy that ETF at a certain price. Through their trading platforms and their systems, they believe that they can go and collect all 200, and they can make maybe a tiny little profit on them, or even on your little buy-sell spread. That's what we call buy-sell spread, the difference between the two. So if you buy it for that price, they'll collect a tiny little fee each and every time. And that's some of the biggest investment banks or yeah. investment managers in the world that are the market makers. Yeah, the big funds. And this is typically all 100% automated or very close to it. And what keeps it competitive is the ETF providers typically have a few of these going around at any one time. So that if they try and rip you off by offering a price that's too high or too low, what happens is there's another one that comes in and offers just under that. And so you've got like capitalism at work in like this micro system, I guess. 
Uh, so it keeps the buy sell spread really tight, meaning the numbers low. And that's what we want. We want the buy sell spread to be low. And to give you an idea, I was chatting to some ETF providers this week, and they were saying that their buy sell spread on their Australian shares fund was around three to four basis points, so 0.03%. For managed funds, it's 0.2%. And if you've got to buy and sell, that's 40. So they're going 40 versus three. So it gives you a sense of how much tighter the ETF market is. Even if you add in brokerage, which you can usually get at 0.1% or thereabouts, it's still, and this is why they're becoming attractive. So you're 0.1% plus 0.03, you're talking about 14 base points compared to 40. And that's why the younger generations definitely are tilting towards ETFs and advisors as well. Yeah, even advisors now building whole portfolios out of this stuff. I know you use it a lot for your like portfolios that you manage for clients. Yeah, we just look at the most efficient way to gain access or exposure to certain asset classes and ETFs reporting execution is all incredibly straightforward. Yeah. There are some limitations, Andrew. You've got one here in our notes, which is that the voting can be limited. In the United States in particular, but also emerging here in Australia, ETFs and index funds to an extent, like absolutely index funds, just not in an ETF wrapper, own a significant amount of company. Every company, like BlackRock owns like, I think it's like 5% of JP Morgan. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Swan competitors owning part of each other. Well, imagine you've got BHP here in Australia. That's what 10% of the index. So there's going to be heaps of index funds involved in that company. They'd probably be the biggest single shareholder in those companies. So Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, all these big index fund providers. And so how do you vote? Like, what do you do? And this is, uh, different firms got different views on it. I think most have just avoided voting at all for the last five or 10 years and said, uh, you know, the view of the CEO of some of these companies that we don't, we're not here to provide an ESG view on these companies. We're just naturally buying more of them. We don't tell you what to vote on, what to, yeah. But it's starting to turn. And a lot of the groups are having to take positions on, you know, particularly where the companies are in, involved in fossil fuels or those sort of industries. They're being forced by the investors and by the public to take positions on a lot of these issues, including climate change. And this is going to become more important as the years go on and the funds become bigger. Because imagine, for example, index funds own 40% of a company and that company is involved in something. Well, the investors in the index funds will be saying, and the ETFs will be saying, hang on a second, we should be able to say to the company, because we own it, like rightfully we own this, we should be able to tell them what to do. And the index funds and the ETF providers are trying to figure out ways, well, maybe there's a way we can get our community to vote on this thing and then we present that vote to management via proxy. And that's a big challenge that would be going forward. There are some different kinds of ETFs that we should be aware of. Drew said before that they're, mostly passive or true index funds inside of ETFs, but they don't have to be. You can have far more like exotic things. So like thematic ETFs, which we can cover separately, which maybe only focus on one theme like cybersecurity. The hack ETF is a very big one. The vanilla ETFs are just like Vanguard VAS, VAS. It's the Australian shares. It's the biggest one in the country or A200, SCW, IOZ. They all do kind of the same thing. Uh, then you can have US ones. But then you can have sector ETFs, I'd say as well, which aren't really taking a theme on like, oh, this is a new trend or something like this. They're just like healthcare stocks. It's not really a thematic. It's more just like, well, do you just want healthcare stocks, basically? And that helps, you know, when we're building portfolios or when you're building portfolios, you have a core of, of the key asset classes and you use these for, as your satellite in parts of the economy you think might grow more quickly in the, in the next three to five years. So at least my view, Drew, is that over time, like I think most investors will contribute the majority of their wealth to low cost 
index fund ETFs. And then around the outside, they'll have different flavors, like those things like thematic ETFs, individual stocks, managed funds, actively traded funds, maybe even some more like out there types of things. Like we're only talking about things that are on the stock exchange. Could have anything. You're starting to see it. And it's almost, well, industry funds haven't necessarily been using ETFs. They're doing a similar approach where they're going super low cost and finding alternative sources of returns in different asset classes. We are also seeing, because I think as an industry, it's easier to explain what an ETF is to someone that is familiar with the stock market, where it's easy to say, yeah, you just go and buy, it just buys the top 200 shares and puts them in a basket for you, you buy the basket. Really simple. But when it comes to bonds or fixed interest, as it's otherwise known, this is a far, far bigger market, but people don't really understand it. But we're starting to see more of those funds offered to investors via ETFs because then effectively you can build everything from your one brokerage account. You don't need fancy trading platforms or all this sort of stuff. No paperwork. No paperwork, just do it all from one place. And we're seeing these grow substantially now this push in ETF land for, for fixed interest for other things that most advisors want, which was kind of seeing that tidal wave creep over now. And I think people are becoming more agnostic to the product as well. Like ETFs are getting all the flows, managed funds are I think generally getting outflows, but they're being welcomed into portfolios more and more for that execution benefit. And then as you probably mentioned their transparency all ETFs provide 100% transparency down to the dollars they hold in cash within their bank account. You go to their website, check it out. Exactly. Got an Excel document, update it every day. And most funds aren't required to do that, at least not live and not every day. Yeah, and that's one of the beautiful things is you can see what's in it. Even you know some of the more actively traded or niche type things you can check on the websites and what have you. I mean, we come across oftentimes in this show, Drew, to be sensical, I guess, is the attempt for us. And sometimes that can mean that we end up with a lot of maybe bias in the, the, the language that's perceived. We are not necessarily biased. Well, I think both of us, you were quoted in the, the, the AFR, the Australian Financial Review, today or yesterday, basically saying that it doesn't really matter. ETFs are just a great way to start. You can use active fund managers for certain things. And I'm personally a big advocate of active fund managers in certain respects. There's no verses in investing. That's it. That's False choice. Active and. Active passive. and. Active Core and. Passive. and satellite. Yeah. Perfect. Not, not versus. I like it. So don't be tricked into thinking that we are one-sided necessarily or that we only do one thing. I definitely invest actively and passively. So I think a great tool that I've been relying on for a while is there's an ASX on the ASX website. There's a listed product report. Yeah, the monthly. It yeah. actually lists where all the flows are going, but every single listed investment company, I think hybrid, exchange traded fund, or everything that's not a stock, traditional companies listed stock is on that list every month. You know how many assets they've got, how much volume is going through them, what their fees are, all in one spot. Yep. Morningstar has a fantastic thing on their website. It's a paid thing where you can put in two or three or four different funds and it would analyze them or say, this is more growthy focused, that one's more this focused. But Vanguard has a free tool equivalent. Uh, it's called Vanguard Fund Compare. It actually uses Morningstar data. And what it does is it actually takes the top 10 holdings of every ETF, whether it's bonds, stocks, whatever. And it compares them to another ETF that you put in there. So you could put in, say, if you were comparing bonds, you could compare V-Bond or VBND versus VIF, which is the Vanguard International Fixed Interest one, just as two examples. You put them side by side, it will show you the key differences. And this is what we're starting to see more, at least direct investors, become familiar with the idea that you can't just have 20 ETFs and that will be, she'll be right. There's no point. 
you probably only need five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten maximum. And that's enough because if you own, you can, there's no point owning three different ETFs that do the same thing and just have a different name. And so you can use that tool to compare. It's called Fund Compare. You can compare overlap between different holdings or you can compare styles between holdings. You can compare asset classes. So go and check that out. It's a really cool free tool as well as the one that Drew does. I use that every month as well. Uh, there are heaps of resources online. Great reports coming through. Spiva, which we've mentioned before. S-P-I-V-A is a report from S&P. I think biggest index provider in the world. Yeah, biggest index provider. Spiva comes out with a report that basically shows that how good index funds are and how good ETFs are and all this sort of stuff. So you can go and check that out. But there's plenty of commentary on websites as well. Drew, we just hit 20 minutes, so maybe we'll call it a day. But ETFs are here to stay. They've been around for a while. They're growing. Even if we get to the same percentage of money invested by ETFs as in the US, the Australian ETF market would double overnight and the US market is growing quickly. And they're for everyone. They're for everyone. Whether you're new or advanced, check out ETFs. Drew, people can get in contact with you at wattlepartners.com.au. There's also a link in the show notes. Uh, financial planner based in Melbourne, but services clients all across Australia. Thanks for joining me. Good to be here. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.